everybody. Welcome to Rumor Flies Podcast. I'm Ryan, joined by Josh. Hello, everyone. And our guy from In-Depth Media, Greg. What up? Yay, Greg. And this is episode three, and today Josh and I are kind of wading into unfamiliar territory, but <laughs> luckily we have Greg here to hold our hand. <laughs> I get a microphone today. <laughs> I know. Play with the big boys. <laughs> this is Greg's proving grounds right here. Um, <laughs> this is where I get asked to never come back again. Yeah, right? this, this is where he doesn't have to yell from across the room. All right. So today we're going to be covering history. Um, this is one of the things that you're going to see us coming back to a lot because uh, obviously there is a lot of history out there Lots and really we've been kind of dancing around this like it's been walking on eggshells because we kind of have been cutting it down to like time period to time period to like smaller and smaller and really for a couple different reasons. For one, you can't even answer the question properly if the history is objective or subjective. And maybe Greg can jump into that a little bit. <laughs> Secondly, Lauren's going to listen to this and just start texting me and being like, how could you say that? If you looked at the historiography of that issue? Oh, American studies. Yeah, right. And then um, also, guys. we are here to try to cover as many solid facts as possible. And history can really be muddled depending on how far back you go. We are going to eventually try to catch as much of history as we can because I'm interested in it and i'm sure josh is too uh but the deal is you're not interested in history. no no, no I, i'm you just walk the f- out like, of here right now so hi- history is very interesting but like you said it's hard because it all basically comes from where you're getting your information from and who you're getting your information from whether it's firsthand or whether it's something you read or anything like that i mean it's primary and secondary exactly documents. especially eventually when firsthand accounts come from people that didn't invent the pencil yet yeah so i mean it's one of those things where uh or when your primary source is written like 50 years after the event. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, no. We're we'll actually going to hit on some of that today. <laughs> we will definitely get to that. <laughs> Foreshadowing at its finest. Um, so anyway, you can see why we're a little bit hesitant about this. We want to actually try to keep this as educational as possible. But at the same time, some of these things in history are just so fun to cover. Regardless of how it's true or not, we want to get into like the depths of why this is like seen as it today. And uh, that's pretty much what we're going to be covering. But today we're going to specifically get to American history from the beginnings right around to the uh, Revolutionary War, I would say. Uh, and by the way, from the beginnings, I'm sorry, like anybody of the, uh, what is it called, First Nations now? Yeah, First Nations. What we mean is when white people landed in America. <laughs> uh, it's, I'm just going to cover that real quick. And we will, we will be explaining some of that nuance. We're not going to gloss over it, but just, yeah, he, the, the point being, yeah, sorry, continue. Yeah, no, it, it's yeah. it's essentially what we're saying. We mean, we mean America, not the actual continent and its history of people that went, you know, for much longer before anybody from Europe showed up here. Wait. Or China. Wait, Amer- um, America's a continent? The Americas. Oh, oh, we're grouping them together. Yeah, I hear there's two Americas. That's, now we can hear debate of American West. studies about who's America and which America. Right. And then there's the, that and new thing. episode everyone wants to hear. And then there was that other thing the other night with that guy, <laughs> Steve Harvey, with Miss America. So we're, we, that all ties in, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. okay. So on our Steve Harvey podcast. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, Relevant. <laughs> so I guess wrapping this up is we're going to get to a very small part of history, maybe spanning about, mm, about 400 years at most. and yeah. uh, Which in it, the grand scheme of things in one territorial area is pretty small range. You're right. Right. Yeah. But we're going for T-ball mm-hmm. round right now. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to modern history right now where no. we can just, you know, Yahoo News it or Yahoo Answers. Um, 
<laughs> or ask Jeeves. Uh, yeah. I Alta Vista. Well, so, and, and the other thing, like Ryan said, that I want to point out is that, you know, we're, we're going to try to make this as inter- interesting as possible, but there is only, you know, so much we can fit in without a glossing over stuff we're trying to be as in-depth as possible while not just boring everyone but the other thing is that you know history is such a large span of things i mean literally history is every you know everything that has happened up until this point so we're trying to narrow down as much as we can but also find like some of the cool and interesting stuff that we were interested in and we think that you guys would be interested in as well right so look forward to more of this in the future but we're just going to try this out let us know how you think about this and um uh, pretty much we're going to have Greg holding our hand for this one because you're not going to hear me or Josh really <laughs> ranting in this one. No, but you uh, will we're going to have some ranting. stuff to say, but <laughs> I- I'm just going to be there with like the metaphorical and possible physical stick. Yeah. Just poking Greg with it, just making him angrier and angrier for him to just say more things that'll get him more hate mail. There's like, there's like two or three subjects. And I'm just going to try not to hint that I hate them. Greg, you thought you had hate mail before. Just wait until now. Oh God. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Anyway, so enough of the whole spiel. We're going to go ahead and jump into... Let's see who's going to take this first. How about... Greg. What? So let's get back to the first people to show up or how America was found. Id. God, here we go. The prodding starts. Uh, So, yeah, this is kind of an interesting subject. Uh, You know, and it kind of in a lot of ways encapsulates what this podcast is a lot about. And we, you know, Columbus is one of the most well-known myths in you know the u.s uh you know the most important nation in the world and it's th- just the idea of columbus and jesus he's really trying to crack up that hate <laughs> i know right? i know right <laughs> greg's just trying to make america great again I'm just right? making us relevant i wanted to say europeans i know that this is a little bit uh well actually no y'all know history a lot better than yeah, us anyway yeah. but anyway this they is do. might be a little bit of an in-depth and for people from america you should know this song. you should know yeah this. so yeah christopher columbus you know allegedly uh, found America as a whole, uh, you know, the first person here, then, you know, we'll break that down a little bit, but the base of the idea is that Santa, Nina, Pinta Maria, uh, Santa, <laughs> Santa, the Nina, the, God, why is Santa? it so hard to say it? Santa, Santa came with Columbus. God damn it. The Nina, the Pinta, the Santa Maria. So the three of them, <laughs> did I say it wrong again? Yes. <laughs> yes, you did. The Nina, the Pinta, the Santa Maria. There you go. There you go. The Pinta. <laughs> I hate you all. <laughs> so anyway, the they came on those three ships, and he landed in America, and he met the Native Americans, and everything was cool, right? That's not even remotely correct, but basically, it's the idea that he was doing it to. There, there's a couple of ideas: one, that he wanted to prove the Earth was round; two, that he was looking for basically spice trade and or a route to India, like a more direct route, and. Yeah, those are kind of the two big ones, and we have Columbus Day, which I think Teddy Roosevelt instituted. I forgot to look this up. I'm sorry. That f- yeah. like we're gonna. I can't. <laughs> I can't wait one. till we get to Teddy Roosevelt. So I think Teddy Roosevelt I think instituted it around 1917 or so, and uh, basically Columbus Day. Yeah, I think it's right. I think it's towards the end of the war. So anyway, yeah, Teddy Roosevelt instituted, it, and basically it celebrates Columbus and his finding America. The the simple version that we teach all our kids that Columbus found America. He bravely set out into the ocean with his three ships and found it and proved the Earth was round while he did it. There's a lot to unpack here. No, I mean, <clears throat> just yeah. Well, did you not wrap yes. it? Well, I was well, gonna say. So well, no, no, I was, I was just gonna say, like, just <laughs> just to hit on your point. I mean, I remember like in elementary school, there like there was some song we sang, and it was like. In 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Yeah, so I mean, like, 
there's basis off of what you're saying. I mean, yes. I remember learning that in school. So. Yes. All right. So far, that's true, right? <laughs> he did. He did. Yes, more or less. He yes. did set out for from Spain. Well, technically. So first off, Columbus was not Spanish. Um, that's. Yeah, that's I was making sure to avoid was that train sound. <laughs> <laughs> so he was he was not Spanish. He was from the, the Republic of Genoa. Genoa. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. But which was an independent area territory off the coast of Italy, but he was not Spanish. So the first questions we we kind of divided this one up into a few key questions, and the first one was, was he first? We can get into a big pedantic argument. What does first mean? Does it mean first to live there? Things like that. But it's kind of an interesting question when you really start to unpack it. So, what? no, no, I'm just, oh, I thought you were snickering no, at no. me, man. No. So, <laughs> so one interesting there was this work that came out called. 1421, the year China discovered America by Menzies, Menzies. Uh, it's actually a very controversial work. And it's interesting because, you know, uh, a lot of people think that it might not be true because a lot of it's based off of this map. Oh, I remember hearing about this. Yes. The, it's some general or admiral, I guess, that went around and had a map. Yeah. They that, found this old map that showed that China oh, might have been there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I remember this now. And so, but the, it ultimately is like one of these things where, if the map isn't real, which there's, they haven't proven it isn't, but it's kind of like, eh, it's a little iffy right now, then the whole thing falls apart. Yeah. So it's a little issue. But the reason I bring it up and what makes it interesting is that it kind of opens up the, it kind of got people discussing migration patterns and looking at human migration patterns particularly. So there's a lot, of, it got people looking into more about how people move from the Asian continent into the Americas. Like how did people, we're talking thousands, thousands, thousands of years ago. So we're looking at, it got people to look at the origins of Native Americans in America. So just, that was kind of an interesting work that got that conversation spurred a little forward. Uh, but arguably you have a lot of sources that say that the Vikings got there first and they actually had established settlement. There are archaeological digs that point to the fact that the Vikings with Leif Erikson of fame. Yeah, I've mainly heard that, that the yeah. Vikings were there because they yeah. found coinage and even yes, like, yeah, a exactly. couple swords and such. So even if it wasn't Leif Erikson or how was it a permanent establishment, obviously there was never a large group from the Nordic areas that moved in and, and conquered North America. That obviously never happened. But there were Vikings who wound up in the area. So that, that there's a lot of things that point towards that. So the one thing we can say for certain and why, he, you know, not to diminish his accomplishment was that he did, he was the first white European Christian, <laughs> one of the first white Europeans, probably not the first white European, to be honest, because there's a lot of debate about that, but he was the first white European Christian. Vikings weren't white? White European Christian. Oh, Christian. Okay. We're going for that. Okay. Trigger warning. There you go. Jesus, so and, many like adjectives and, right there. Know, white European and Christian. That's what I'm saying. So we can only say for certain first white European Christian. Okay. And he and so, you know, that's that's kind of a big question there. The other thing is, where did he land? He did not just all of a sudden bash into the coast of the US, right? What is now the US. Yeah, he found the United States of America. No, so what is now, you know, as we know, North America. He actually hit the Bahamas first and found peoples there and sent back all these missives and different letters talking about this veritable Garden of Eden he found. He found these new peoples and found this whole new situation going on over there. And they are so scantily clad. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, he, was, he was very thing. But it was interesting because it was kind of this, which, not to get too detailed about it, but if you read a lot of these old letters, there's a lot of this documentation. So his, his letters are very actually very well preserved. And what's interesting is that he has this very, it's the classic, like, 
I was about to give a modern example, but we're going to start controversy. But it's kind of like where you're giving these dual narratives that are very contradictory. So he was talking about these like, oh, there are these people. And it's like Eden. They're unpolluted by sin and the degradation of Western civilization and culture. But they're savages. So he's like okay. <laughs> tearing them down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's this very like weird thing where he's like, oh, they're animalistic. But they're so pure. But they're savages. But Eden. And it's, it's this very like you know, kind of weird. He's a very, 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 very religious man. And almost everything he wrote and did was informed by his religiosity. So it was like, these people are great and they're pure and everything like that. But, you know, they haven't really invented a boat like mine yet, so they're less than me. So, Well, we're definitely going to get Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know he had, like, superiority complex (laughs) going on. Yeah, and by the way, um, just for a little... Well, they didn't discover him. There you go. (laughs) That's very true, Ryan. That's actually a very famous chapter in a book I'm also going to discuss called Why Why Didn't the Aztecs Invade Spain? But uh, it talks about boats. But anyway, so the... uh, but anyway, he went to the Bahamas, and he actually never ended up being a governor in North America. He actually round, wound, uh, ran over uh, ran over Hispaniola, which is modern-day Haiti, the Dominican Republic. But he was actually so terrible and strict and brutal that he was actually pulled out as the governor by the King of Spain. Mm. So, uh, <laughs> fun fact. <laughs> so, on to Flat Earth. Basically, this is a really fun one, because... It's probably the single most, like, besides in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue and he discovered America. It's like everyone, when you ask them about Columbus, it's he basically proved the world was round. And there's absolutely nothing to support this in the slightest. It's also topical. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It is very topical time. because B.O.B.'s people and the Flat Earth Society, which I really thought was a parody at first. That, that's a real thing? I yeah. Thought, I thought that was a joke. No, that one specific. There are group. There is a group that supports that the flat Earth exists. Really, but um, flat Earth. Sorry, I, I believe I can't remember which one's the fake one, which was the real one. But anyway, so nothing supports it. And if you, what's fun about this one too is that sourcing is really easy. I literally in this in the show notes you'll see a History Channel link because the fact is every single source that talks about Columbus at all, the first thing they love to hit is that the world was round and that. People knew that already, and they all talk about how it was discovered in ancient Greece, uh, arguably discovered in time ancient Greece. So it's not even like it was a fringe theory at the time. By 1492, it was relatively widely accepted. The more prevailing reason for why people didn't want him to sail across the ocean is that, you know, you got to think about it. We, We see flying and sailing and everything is really easy now, but long distance travel by boat was really freaking dangerous. Like, it's really dangerous. It's really expensive. So when you're trying to get, you know, feudal lords and kings and people to fund your expeditions, there needs to be some reasonable chance of success. And reasonable is even then, that's a very, like, loose term. Yeah, I mean, that's a high investment for a very marginal chance at having a decent return. It's like, we're not, we're not scared you're going to fall off the face of the earth. We're scared that pretty much our money is just going to die and be floating away on a boat and never be found again. Yeah, well, the interesting thing to me, like, I'd like to know how it got to be that... The whole reason he was sailing was to make sure the earth wasn't flat. I'd like to know how I got to be to like to that. Well, that's why I actually did a lot of research on that, trying to find the first like, versions of that. But yeah. I, I couldn't find anything conclusive about it. So anyway, the, the, the part of what I find really interesting about this topic in particular is that, you know, there's nothing about it. Most of the people worried about the monetary and lives risked. Right. And uh, it's one of the most prevailing myths. And we don't we don't 
you know, it's kind of why we do this podcast, right? And, and I don't want to get too proselytizing here, but the fact is like, we're talking about myths and why do they get propagated and where do they start? And we didn't find the origin of this one, but it proves a, it kind of proves the greater problem here, which is that we teach our kids this and we teach all these people that, and, and it's so popular nowadays. It's so, it's so in vogue right now. It's been going on for years now, but you know, it's no secret that Columbus and a lot of the people who came around his time caused a massive genocide. They killed entire groups of people and we celebrate Columbus day. It's kind of an insult to a lot of people, but it's no longer edgy in 2016 now, right? To, to write your little blog rant saying, Oh, Columbus was a piece of shit who killed a bunch of people. <laughs> it's like, well, yes, a lot of people did it, not excusing it. Yeah. But you know, this is, this is old news. We know this and we know that these people did wrong things. And rather than waste our time doing that, it's like, let's stop teaching this idea that he was discovering the earth was round. Why do we do this? There's, there's, we, I, I couldn't find, I spent almost half an hour just looking up that one fact. Nice. Right. Looking up that one fact. Try to sneak it in there. Oh, yeah, good, good luck. <laughs> but, and, and, you know, I know half an hour sound like a long time, but in the age of the internet, it's a long time to look up one. I couldn't find a single source. That corroborated that idea. Well, the interesting part about it is, I mean, you will have tons of people, even like my uncle, not Uncle Rusty, but <laughs> <laughs> we haven't gotten Uncle Rusty yet. Don't worry. <laughs> no, this is a different uncle. Uh, he's really into American history, and he's like really stands behind pre- just about every president. He's like one of those guys that's like full of facts, like like crazy, comes out with anything you want to know about a certain president. And a lot of people will stand behind certain historical figures, kind of after the nation was uh, quote unquote founded. Yeah. But I really have never met somebody that's like, fuck you, Columbus was a hero. Like, no, no, nobody, sure. Yeah, I agree. Sure. But we all have this idea. It's like, he found America. He did all this. He was so brave. It's like this that's, idea of his bravery. Yeah. That's the and he was part. so brave. And oh, I, honestly, anyone who went on a freaking wooden ship back then, I think was freaking brave and or insane. Like, <laughs> Let's a little let's bit of column A, a little bit of column B. I mean, seriously, <laughs> it's crazy when you think about it. Well, there's also kind of like a historical viewpoint of like when the way we're looking down on this is the fact that you know, oh, it's there, there aren't too many human rights activists back then. Yeah, well, it was, yeah, it's just a different time, it was just a different, it was and a different that's a, that's kind of almost like a cop out excuse, yeah, it is. But it's the same difficult time, territory because it sounds but, like you might be excusing it, but that's not, I know, but, I but that's not what you're trying to do. Yeah, yeah, I get what you're trying to say. Yeah, it's very applicable. Like, not a whole lot of people are really thinking on that at that time that everybody is the same because in almost every part of the world, there's some sort of feudal or caste system in, in yes, in place at that point. So it's not like they were raised to really think these people are the same. And secondly, when you come across people that don't even wear the same clothes as you, don't even have the same type of structure of society as you, naturally you're going to have this knee-jerk reaction where you're going to be like, these people are savages. They're wrong. Uh, well, they're, they're just wrong. The idea is that they do it wrong. Oh, well, naturally you as somebody from the 1400s is going to have that knee-jerk reaction um, I am not a Columbus apologist in whatsoever <laughs> means, but I guess I want a little bit of frame of reference for this. I don't think because, you went far enough. Yeah, yeah. I it pretty much once again Columbus <laughs> this podcast endorsed by Indep Media. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go in depth enough. Oh, jeez. Well, I so, opened that one up. Sorry. So, but like, what's the difference if you were to like find one of those indigenous tribes in like the Amazon that like are still like basically in like the stone age and you were there and you got accepted and like you saw how they did stuff. I mean, you would have like disappeared. And I'm like, I'm not trying to defend Columbus, but like, I, like I no, understand your natural, your natural tendency. Right. Is that Once again, though, it's impossible. They don't have. 
It's impossible. I live in a culture where people of all different colors should have the same rights, like it's written on paper. But they don't. Right. But we're going to go, we're not oh. getting political with this. I, I was going to say. I think the good thing is, I don't think it's too powder cake. But I, most people acknowledge that we don't all have equal rights and access. Right. Whether but, you agree who or what or why, it isn't fair. The right. world is not fair. But on paper, it's an idea. Back yes. then, it wasn't even on paper. No, 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 no. Yeah. That, that wasn't even really a thought. Yeah. So it's one of those things where Columbus, yes, he did do something pretty ballsy. Yeah. But at the same time, like the advantage he took of the whole situation sucked. And also, he was a little bit smarter than people thought because actually everybody was smart because everybody was thinking, yeah, duh, the earth is not flat. Yeah. And that's the thing. So I guess the whole point basically being like we're saying it's it's there's I honestly cannot figure out why people think he was trying to prove the world was round and there are all these naysayers. It just seems to be that people were very worried about the risks in a very reasonable way. That, it's mean, a hype man tactic. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Mean, yeah. I think that's it. That people wanted him to be more, uh, to be larger in life than he already was. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that, I think that pretty the much wraps up Great man view that. of history. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Honestly, I don't feel like I poked you enough on that, Greg, but you know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with it. Well, well we got some. I'll, I'll, I'll be providing some nice. He's gonna jump in. That well, wasn't Greg's is, first. Is there appearance. anything else you want to add about Columbus, <laughs> or do you think you hit about everything you want? I to think talk about, about it. I mean, Columbus is a very complex character, and we're doing a podcast, hitting a lot of territory. You know, if any of y'all want to talk to me about Columbus, feel free. But I can tell you right now, I'm. I'm. Uh, it's. It's. I think we all kind of agree. Yes, he he made a significant exploring, a significant exploration. He you know, did take a very risky journey and it was, you know, ballsy, stupid, whatever you want to call it. He did atrocious things as did many, as did many people coming from the Western European continent at the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just, it's kind of a complex figure with a lot of, com- there's, there's countless books on the subject. So, I mean, if you're upset that I didn't go into some specific minute detail or even something broader, you, know, you just have to get over it. Right. <laughs> but he didn't Oh my God. He's going to get so much hate mail. He's going to get so much hate mail. I'll never make y'all happy. <laughs> All right, Josh, what you got? All right, so now we're going to move on to Plymouth Rock. Now, most people know Plymouth Rock as the site where pilgrims came over from there and ended up here, and that's where the New World was started. All right, so they were there, and now they're here. What now, Josh? So, yeah, now Plymouth Rock isn't to be confused with Plymouth Rick. I don't know if you knew who Plymouth Rick was. He sold bootleg DVDs. He sold bootleg DVDs out of his '97 Plymouth. This is why I'm glad we don't all write down no? all our notes in the journal no? thing. No, he, I don't know what the he, hell you're talking about. He sold me Space Jam 2 out the trunk of his car. It was bullshit. Oh wait, is that the one where the Animaniacs were <laughs> in it too? And it was just like some weird video of a guy putting like jam on like a piece of bread or something. I don't remember. It was a scarring event, but so anyway, Plymouth Rock. Back to back on topic here. Plymouth Rock is where, you know, they said that the New World was founded when the pilgrims came over. And, you know, this is where, you know, the, the origins of Thanksgiving and all that other stuff, which is also bullshit. Everyone was happy and shared a nice big... Exactly, which is also bullshit, but not for the reasons that everybody thinks. Coming in our holiday special. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's February Thanksgiving time. Not a big deal. Um, <laughs> but no, but like, I'll, I'll get to that later. So Plymouth Rock. All right. So... Traditionally, people think William Bradford was the guy that led the expedition over here and he was the one to establish, you know, that that was the landing spot and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, in 1620 is what I believe it was. He was the the Plymouth Rock area. Like he was the Plymouth uh, governor for like five terms or something like that. How long was a term back then? Uh, It was from like almost 30 years. So 
let's say six years a piece. We'll go with that. round numbers. Okay. So he served like five terms as governor. But the interesting thing about Plymouth Rock was that there's no historical reference of that being the physical location where they stepped off the boat to found, you know, that region. And as you're saying, as you're saying earlier with like what you hear about uh, 1492 Columbus sailing the ocean blue, it's, it's true. Like when, when we think finding America, we think about Thanksgiving, we think about pilgrims landed at Plymouth rock. Yeah, that yeah, is yeah. like, that's like the sentence, like the first group of people landed at Plymouth rock on the goddamn Mayflower well, to be it's right, right? <laughs> the Santa Maria. Well, to be fair, shut up. So <laughs> don't use our make fun of my pronunciations. <laughs> But no, but like, it's like, but the whole point is that like, honestly, I go, they landed at Plymouth Rock. I'm like, wait, can you like, like, was it like a big rock that they well, like, no, literally, there's, there's like, like a, they literally landed on? There's like a boulder that like they designate as Plymouth Rock, but there's no way to determine that's the actual one. So it's interesting. <laughs> William Bradford was the guy who led this expedition, right? He was like the head honcho of the pilgrims. Okay. In his own journal, he never mentions Plymouth Rock. Not once. Okay. And then there was another journal referenced by Edward Winslow called... Mort's relation. That was another big, like a big deal from people get a lot of information from that time frame from the early 1600s. And neither that mentions Plymouth Rock either. So it's bullshit. There's no way of saying that's exactly where they landed. Well, in that defense, I mean, for a place you've never been to before, I don't think William Bradford writing his journal, God, we finally got to Plymouth Rock. No, no. I had to piss so bad. I need to find the nearest. No, that's what Ryan Caligari says. He got to Plymouth Rock. (laughs) Oh, dude. Bladder of a six-year-old I girl. feel you, dog. I ain't got nothing for a bladder. Well, dude, it is ridiculous. So, like, a little bit of behind the scenes here. Me and Greg are pissing like crazy. Dude, it's so it's bad. like we have to stop all the time. <sighs> well, I'm sorry for all our road trips. <laughs> Guys, you're so meta right now. All right. So, it's just interesting to me that, like you said, like, no, no, no. Like, you're, tr- you're right, Greg, though. You're right that, like, 1492, Columbus sailed to Ocean Blue. Plymouth Rock is where Pilgrim's the founders, land, blah, yeah. blah, blah, Mayflower, blah, blah. Pilgrims, it's, Plymouth it's just, Rock. That is, like... All I know. But see, the thing on oh, Thanksgiving, oh, uh, gobble, gobble. But see, oh, well, I'll get to that in a second. But the interesting thing about Plymouth Rock was that it took over 120 years before there was anything that said, oh, yeah, that, that big boulder over there, that, that's where they landed, over there. And the, the way that I don't know how, how uh, reliable historical memory is. So here's the thing the guy that <laughs> mentioned that was the spot was like 95 years old. And he claimed that his great grandfather, or it was either his dad or, or his grandfather, I don't know. It was somebody, it wasn't him. He was like 95, and he claimed he was like his father or somebody else. Was He wasn't even born at the time. He was born like 30 years later. But he said, like, oh, my dad and like three other people were, were, were there, and they said that was the spot that they landed on. So that's kind of how it came to be what it is. Which, and you know what? Maybe he's right, and we're just dicks. I mean, yeah, but <laughs> but like, what kind of credibility is that? No, that it's true. It's, such it's, a huge part of American culture is Plymouth Rock and Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's all based off of you the, know a, a a possibly a ninety five year old guy who might have been related said that. Exactly. And it, yeah, it's like there's so many might have, might have, might have. I mean, the the enemy of this podcast is anecdotal evidence. Exactly. And unfortunately, yeah, but, like I said, with this history episode, we're gonna get a load of anecdotal technically, evidence. Almost all history ever written is. Technically anecdote. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's difficult. <laughs> uh, actually, up until the video camera was invented. But even then, you are. It's, it's, it's. But, you, uh, but have you seen the shooters on the grassy knoll? I mean, I saw Watchmen. <laughs> it was clearly the comedian. <laughs> clearly, yeah. But, and well, back to your point about thanks, the thing about Thanksgiving was that Thanksgiving wasn't 
what people think it was today. And not in the sense that like, oh, like, so the, the hot thing now is like, why are we celebrating Thanksgiving when all we did was take this land and this food from from these Native Americans or first natives or whatever you want to call them, whatever the correct term is, I'm sorry, PC police, but whatever it is, like, that's what people think, like, so we had Thanksgiving with these people. Now people are like, oh, we took all their land, yada, yada, yada. But actually Thanksgiving, as people know it, it w- they saw it as like a holy day of reverence and reflection. And like the sharing the food and stuff like that, that didn't really happen. They fasted actually. So it's really interesting that they... That, that's interesting. Spoilers galore. This is going to be like for season two, damn it. Well, no, it's just, it's really interesting that like... The, that this is what it came to be, and it wasn't even remotely so close. Even, it has nothing to do with like the idea that they were thankful for their safety. No, it was a holy day of reverence. I, uh, Please don't tell me Squanto wasn't real. Maybe. Find out in episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so but it, like that's just interesting because you have this whole bullshit with Plymouth, Plymouth Rock being where they landed, and then you have this whole bullshit with Thanksgiving as to this is what it is, but it's not even that either. So the so the people of Plymouth. Did they Rock, actually share a meal with Native Americans? N- no, none of that happened. <laughs> so there's like it's like there may have may not have been. However, we have nothing that suggests that it happened. I mean, so there <laughs> could have been a feast at that night, but that day, I'm assuming like most feasts, sun up to sundown, they they fasted the whole day. I'm sorry. I just, maybe they just maybe they read it wrong where they said fasted and they read it as feasted. Maybe it was a spelling error. I, I just realized this, and this is one of those historical inaccuracies, I guess. But like. Just now, I'm not even shitting you. Um, I was like just thinking about Thanksgiving, and when I always like think about Thanksgiving, um, I always imagine like all of them and like I don't know a, a 70 big long foot, table, a seventy foot long picnic bench, <laughs> yeah. and I realized that like oh yeah, yeah the big old one. yeah, yeah. And they all, I imagine and they a giant picnic bench. Sh- yeah, I'm pretty sure picnic benches didn't exist back then. <laughs> like. Uh, I really want to think about what they used for even like utensils or to sit down because I'm pretty sure the Native Americans were just like, uh, what the hell is that? I was like, well, it's a chair, damn it. And then, <laughs> well, but see, but that's the thing. This whole, like, not even you with, with that, just this whole notion of Thanksgiving is just not what it was. So, right. I mean, that's like, that, that's the whole thing about this. That's like, it's just mind blowing. So everything pretty much you thought you knew about the pilgrims is just completely wrong. Apparently. Okay, well, we might have to get back to that eventually. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure we can address that later on, but, I mean, just just trying to gloss over it. So, just a little TLDR of this little recap. Plymouth Rock is complete bullshit, and Thanksgiving's even more bullshit. So, there you go. Right. Bullshit. Okay, well, <laughs> moving, moving on, on from bullshit <laughs> to more bullshit. Um, so, we're going to fast forward about eh, 200 years, maybe. A little bit less. Uh, we're going to go ahead to Salem, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. And usually what every cat town would be one <laughs> would want to be known for is their witch burnings. So anyway, uh, a lot of people know, once again, in the rare event that we may have listeners that happen to not be within 50 miles of us, Salem witch trials were an, a terrible event where when the Puritans came to America for supposed religious freedom, I don't want to go into too much of a tangent on this, but it wasn't only for religious freedom. It was also to kind of preserve their culture as uh, ultimately English as well. Um, they could they have gone to many other places. goddamn peace and quiet. They didn't want their kids to be goddamn Dutch. <laughs> Get off my that land. That happened. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so the Puritans came over to the New World, and they had a settlement in Salem, what came to Salem, Massachusetts. And afterwards, 
uh, there was a lot of hysteria going on. It was a completely new world, and it was mystifying, honestly. Uh, it was everything was unfamiliar. There was paranoia going around, and honestly, people were stir crazy. Um, so what ended up happening was, uh, for one reason or another, there ended up being the Salem witch trials where people were being scapegoated as being the reason for every misfortune that befell the entire town. Um, and I don't want to go into the history of it because there's plenty of other podcasts and go into this in much more detail and much more eloquently than I can. But the main idea is that yes, people were convicted of being witches and they were, completely they were murdered they were straight up murdered it wasn't a fair trial or anything like that they were using spiritual evidence eventually one of the main guys uh looking into this was uh his daughter was convicted of being a witch too and he said okay we can't use uh like spectral evidence anymore but they still ended up killing tons of people and they thought the main method of this was just by burning the witch everybody's seen Monty python and the holy grail whereas burn the witch burn the witch that's generally what happened in the spanish position and such um sorry what as if she turned me into a newt oh yeah yes she did i got better better. (laughs) and now we just do 30 minutes of monty python references it just that that's the rest of the episode right sorry continue (laughs) so anyway um so burning a witch so even though they seem like witches would be great kindling for your bonfire and to make s'mores on afterwards Unfortunately, actually, fortunately, I, I almost said the most terrible thing possible. Um, <laughs> they never burned a single witch over there. They only hanged them, okay? Um, so this never happened. This is actually taken kind of like a mix, a mishmash of other witch hunts that have happened throughout history, mainly from Europe. And that being the uh, just the witch hunts that happened over in Ireland, I want to say France and England, just about anywhere you can think of, there were witches, supposedly, and they burned the f*** out of them. Here, though, they were very, very civilized and just took them to Gallows Hill and hanged their asses. They just didn't burn them. They burned the f*** out of them. Right. And if we want to get some numbers for right now, between so May... Crispy. If we want to get some numbers, <laughs> it's between May 1682 to 1683, like exactly a year... They managed to uh, convict and hang 19 people for witchcraft. Jesus. Um, and they also managed to... Psh, bureaucracy keeping those numbers down. I know, right? There was one man that was smart and got a loophole around it, where he decided to not plead guilty or not guilty during the entire trial. He was but a 71-year-old man, and what ended up happening was, like, okay... So we see your little game right here. We're not going to, you're not going to, you know, plea either way. So what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and lay you on the ground, put a door on you, and then start laying rocks on you until we have about a thousand pounds of rocks on top of you and you, uh, you know, plea guilty or not guilty. It's your choice. You're going to get hanged either way. So anyway, this guy was crushed to death. <laughs> so he didn't make it that far. No. no. So he still beat the f-ing system. So, uh, so you're saying that. Being whether he was a witch or not, just kind of weighed on him too much. Yeah. So we have nineteen hang. God damn it! God damn it! <laughs> I was it. waiting to see how far you would get before you realized Bruh. it. Ah, uh, yes. yes, 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 yes. Okay. So in the span of one year, nineteen innocent people were hanged, and one damn was you. crushed to death. How do you know they were innocent? Well, they were innocent of witchcraft, at least. Ah, okay. We're gonna well, go ahead they and say they more witchcraft because they did. I believe in Hogwarts, Ron. Yes, I do. Okay, well, I believe we're in gonna... Hogwarts. How about you? 
sorry. Are we gonna have like a Harry Potter like prequel? And See, this is why we have two speed. This is why we have two guys talking at the mic. <laughs> not that I'm either. Not that I'm worse than either of you. It's just now you get thirty three percent more. <laughs> Join oh our live God. poll to say, like Greg, hate Greg? Let us know what you know. <laughs> oh, oh, you decide if Greg gets fired or no, not. No, because then it's all my call. friends are going to pull in. They're all going to say hate. <laughs> no, seriously. Let us know how this feedback goes and everything because we really care about our listeners. And if you don't like Greg, we will fire his He's ass. done. He's gone. He man. is so Guys, gone. I can't afford, you know, this This podcast pays my rent. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're not disclosing your salary here. But the fact that we even said salary means something. So Greg's not hourly. We, uh, we pay in IOUs take, and use milk tanks. Zero, divide by zero, and still get zero. <laughs> All right. So anyway, uh, so we so have burning people, hanging people, crushing people, people deliberately <laughs> killed, and then a few others died in prison uh, because <laughs> apparently jail cells weren't tip top shape back then. Hmm. Um, but that, that not like today. This is a quick diatribe. I really don't want to go too much into the Salem witch trials because there's a whole lot of rich history behind them, but not a whole lot of actual, I would say, myths. This is the main one where people were burned. The answer is no. Uh, they were mainly hanged. So with that being left off, we're going to go ahead and we're going to get a little bit more focused on to more of some of the founding fathers, per se, of the American Revolution. And well, technically, he was not a founding father. <laughs> just pretty significant you know, You're going to the nerd accent. <laughs> <laughs> you're the one that's going into this right now. Okay? So, you know, this is all you. Greg, what you got? So, Greg, I need you to explain this to me as if I didn't watch National Treasure, okay? Oh, you mean the historical documentary? <laughs> yes. And no. and the sequel historical documentary, National Treasure Part Dose. Just sequels better than the original. So, Paul Revere. Um, Paul Revere is a very famous figure in American history, for those of you who don't know. I'm, unlike Ryan, I won't condescendingly bash you for your lack of knowledge. When did I do that? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just being insufferable right now. He just gave me like the Blue Steel Zoolander look. <laughs> God. So Paul Revere is a uh, famous American historical figure. He um, is known from the Longfellow poem, Paul Revere's Ride, <laughs> the Midnight Ride of Paul Revere, yeah, or uh, or it might just be called the Midnight Ride, um, or Paul Revere's Ride. Yeah, I, it I, don't yeah, matter. So anyway, it don't matter. So Longfellow's poem, um, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Yeah. So it's a very famous poem. It's a just culturally significant piece in American history. And it's also where a lot of people actually kind of get their understanding of Paul Revere. Yeah, I mean, that's like, I remember reading that in like middle school and like that's from, like that's basically all I knew of Paul Revere was right. what I read on that poem. And and unlike the other stuff, it's, it's this is also kind of a fun one because it's not like, oh, it's all a crock of shit. It's, uh, you there's, know. There's some historical fact yeah, to it. Yeah, there's some, there's some liberties taken and, and there's something to glean from it. And, you know, it's, it's just a, it's a, Honestly, from an American studies perspective, it's a very powerful insight into how we, how do we create heroes? How do we create myths? It's kind of a, just an interesting subject in that way. Well, one, one of the things that like, I guess that wasn't, I, I didn't understand back then is like, read like, cause I, I've reread it before doing this podcast and like, I read, I'm like, oh man, it's like, it's a really interesting poem, but I didn't take everything for face value, but it's because now I understand that when you are doing art for I mean for lack of a better term when you're doing stuff with art there are going to be liberties that are going to be taken and there are some exaggerations and stuff like that but yeah I mean from what little I know of Paul Revere like I said from Nicolas Cage teaching me himself um I mean <laughs> like it's it seems like it seems like a good way to at least introduce younger people to you know the founding fathers and like how stuff came to be you know 
Most definitely. And you knock out two birds with one stone. Right, right, right. You right. also hit the subject of like you introduce a very famous poet. You introduce a very famous cultural piece. Right, right, right. And yeah, if yeah. you want to start really diving deep later in life, you start getting into how our myths build. Yeah. Built. So Paul Revere, um, one of the great sources for this, just for those of you who don't actually read the show notes, is um, it's called Paul Revere's Ride by Fisher, F-I-S-C-H. Um, so Fisher's Paul Revere's Ride is a book from 1994. It's actually a very, very good source. I, I've, I will be totally upfront. Never read the entire book. But I've read many excerpts from it. Um, like most history majors, we have a very hard time doing cover to cover. So, um, <laughs> we don't so, do all of our work. We just kind of spark noted. It's um, not if, a big deal. Well, the problem is that we learned to read cover to cover and then they caught on that we were reading so many books so quickly. So they started sending more books and then it became impossible to read all the books. So anyway, the, so a lot of stuff's going to kind of come from that source and just some other articles I looked over, but that's probably 80% of the work here. So the famous Paul Revere thing is that's the midnight ride and then one if by land, two if by sea. Which is actually true. So, uh, well, just to explain, like, what do you mean? What is this yeah, one? Exactly. Okay. So, so one if I land, two if I see is the idea that when the British were spotted by whoever, right? And there was a church, it is actually in NRHD. I used to work in architectural historical preservation. So, NRHD is National Registry for Historic, uh, National Registry of Historic Districts. So, it's basically famous buildings. There's all these different designations for different buildings, but NRHD is. Pretty pretty high up there. So the North Church, now called the Old North Church, which is in Charlestown, is where Robert Newton, who's at the church, I think he's called, he was the sexton of, of, of uh, North Church, was given orders that if he saw the British, and this was apparently given to several places, but Charlestown had a major river that ran through it that made it a very viable place for the British to send troops, that he would put one lantern in the steeple, if they were moving by land and two, if they're coming up river by sea. So I believe that's exactly where we at one, if by land two by sea, it was basically how are the British approaching? And he did put two up and to let people know the British were coming by sea. And part of what was interesting about it was that they knew that. So at this point, the sons of Liberty are very active. You have, you know, the revolution at no point in the war was the revolution ever overwhelmingly approved of, to be honest. It was never the majority opinion uh, by most scholars' accounts. And it, it, like most revolutions, you generally, you honestly don't generally have the majority of the population. Right. There was just a mass population that just wanted to be left alone. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, mo- that's how most of the world works. We think that apathy is new, but it is not. <laughs> so, <laughs> so most of you know, but so, so the one of my land two by sea, and he, um, the group of British soldiers spotted was too large to just be an arrest, which were very common at the time, arresting what accused of or known revolutionary, sons of liberty, things like that. And they, so you had uh, the, the next myth being that the British are coming is what Paul Revere jumped on his horse, yeah, goes riding off, yeah. seeing the two lanterns and goes, the British are coming, the British are coming. Never said that. That's actually an incredibly risky and stupid thing to do because the revolution was not very popular. So if he'd gone around screaming that, one, someone could have just gone and just been like, screw this and shot him. Two, yeah, they could have been guns back then. Yeah, they could have easily guns just were pretty, sniped his pretty ass. proliferous. But he um, he basically he he didn't want to do it because you know, and no one would have wanted to because there are plenty of loyalists there. Loyalists are people who are loyal to the British crown. So he, you know, he wasn't going on screaming, the British are coming, the British are coming. That's a very quick way to attract attention. 
but he was going around saying like the British regulars are on the move, the regulars are coming. He was he was kind of going to locations and giving it to people. On top of that, he was not the only writer. What were you gonna say? Right, so he was being a little bit like he was being at least a little bit discreet, just so that somebody would be like, Betty, did you hear? Paul Revere's he's telling. He's telling on the British. <laughs> he, we gotta stop him. We gotta so get some shits and goes. So it wasn't, it was, he was never like screaming stuff. They basically went, they had a whole network set up. It was actually a pretty sophisticated operation, to be honest. Because at that point, you have the famous, the, the Minutemen, right? The Minutemen yeah. were these people who were militiamen who were ready to go at a minute's notice. They were like guns by their side, clothes ready to roll. It's like this kind of whole myth idea. But th- there were people who were, while they couldn't be ready necessarily in 60 seconds, there was active militia who were ready for the revolution, Sons of Liberty, and all kinds of, I keep saying Sons of Liberty, groups but well known for the orange juice too right well known for the orange juice yeah and i I knew that from the patriots starring mel gibson indeed so so he's going around saying this a true american actor (laughs) (laughs) bless you that should be it so he's going around basically going different pubs different you know inns and things like that spreading the word the british are on the move coming from sea that also being said the midnight ride of paul revere Talks about Paul Revere. There were three major writers who started it. By the end of the night, there were over 40. So there's, this is a very sophisticated operation. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, we, we think of like our modern communication, blah, blah, blah. And you're all condescending about, oh, our modern means of transportation and communication. But the fact of the matter is that word of mouth, horses, couriers, everything like that was kind of how you did everything back then. So they had this, they had a pretty interesting system of just, if the, they, they suspected the British might be making a move, Towards Lexington. Lexington was the big that the the, the one that like they're probably gonna go to Lexington. Yeah. Didn't know for sure. And they had a system set up where they were gonna light these candles in a steeple, the three horsemen ride off, and then they hit the others, all the different locations, and the others spread out. So the idea was gonna it was gonna expand over time. It was viral. It was a viral message. It was basically a viral message. I mean, that's honestly a pretty accurate way of putting it. So what's what's uh yeah, Dawes, Prescott, and Revere, in case I didn't say that already. And one thing, we actually didn't get a chance to look this up. Maybe we'll come back later. But uh, I believe, Josh, you said you heard at some point that one of the writers was actually a woman. Yeah, I, I've heard that Paul Revere got caught and one of the people to make it out was actually a woman back then, which was a huge deal because women weren't really looked upon as anything of important. Not that they weren't important. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be I know terrible. you're going with that. We but, know I'm saying, like, are we jumping ahead with Paul Revere getting caught? Yeah. Well, I was going to say, so So part of the fun of it yeah. is that... Uh, so we have the Midnight Royal Revere, and, and the big three were, again, Prescott, Dawes, Revere. Revere is the only one who got caught. <laughs> and the film does not talk about that. So I, if I remember correctly, it's Dawes wrote it, like jumped the fence with his horse and whoop, just beat it, which is gone and completed his ride. Prescott got away, but didn't finish his route. All three had a prescribed route, by the way. It was, it was a, it was a, and then Revere was interrogated by the British, rolled over on some of the information. By the way, nothing, nothing super critical. Not Benedict Arnold. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, wasn't like hardcore, you know. But he, he did it, say that like, yeah, we know you're here. We know you're here. <laughs> There's armed troops. Like, I, I think nothing. From what it sounds like, it was nothing particular. It wasn't like the location of General Washington is. Yeah. yeah. But it was, um, he, he, it was a. Uh, he, he was interrogated, probably gave some information, probably held some back. And ultimately, when the British figured out, they're like, oh, God, there's like militiamen and regulars and it's going to be a freaking battle. We need to get the word out. They released him. <laughs> they're like, and you know what they do? I love the way you put this earlier, Ryan. Ryan and I were talking about this earlier. And the thing is, they released him, but they kept his horse. 
So this this had to walk home. So clearly he wasn't like the actual the horse culprit. Held all the the horse made him ride him. So they they arrested the horse and took him off and probably interrogated it farther. And all Hit had to say was, "Do you know about the plans of the American colonies?" And he said, "Nay." And Damn then it, asked him. I was gonna do that. Just stole it straight from you. I was like, low, I was low hanging for it. fruit, just right there. It was just like grabbed it right by the fruit. Um, all right, Paul Revere, we know that you know a lot of stuff, but we're not gonna hold you captive. We're just gonna make you really late to wherever you got. Here, be, right? exactly. go tell your friends. Go tell your friends on <laughs> foot. And then there was a you know battle that evening. So, so to the poem, it's a. It doesn't mention the over forty writers, let alone Prescott or Dawes. Um, it explode. It, it created. It actually did almost immediately create a, a lot of fame for Revere. The ride did, and the ensuing poem. I'm really stupid. I did not write down the year the poem came out. I apologize. But anyway, the poem did do a lot for him, and he was basically like just this, this silversmith. He was just like a metal worker in town. He really wasn't. You know, it was kind of. It's in some ways kind of a beautiful imagery of what was the American Revolution. It was these the the common man. It was these these people who lived in the colonies who were persecuted and and just did the right thing, right? Mm-hmm. And whether you believe it or not, Revere is a lot of ways he encapsulates that myth that you know he did do something for the revolution and he wasn't. You know, he was just wasn't a guy who worked important. and lived. Yeah. So you know, whether you buy into American myths or not, it's you know it's got a little it's got a little heart to it. I, I I kind of I kind of liked that, but I might just be a softy for that stuff. But what's really interesting is that, you know, he dies. It doesn't mention his, his death in his obituary, which they do have a copy of, does not actually mention his ride. Really? A lot of his fame came after the Civil War. And I thought at first I was reading, I was like, oh, because it was going to be, you know, I've, I've got a lot of strong feelings about the Civil War. But I, I thought that it was going to be kind of like, oh, the South might have appropriated old American myths or something. But it actually turns out that it was just uh, in the 18, especially when you got to the 1870s and 1880s is with the rise of American industrialism. Um, I do have a source for this. I promise it's in the show notes. So the uh, as, as the American industrialism kind of went up and you start seeing the rise of machinery and the rise of major cities in America, especially, you know, the, the call of the New South and all these things and the decades ensuing, you have this romanticization of the colonial era. And so, you know, it's looking at the architecture. It's looking at all these different things. And... It's kind of like just nostalgia. And so a lot of myths about colonial figures start to resurface. And Longfellow's poem made a huge resurgence in the late 19th century, along with the fame of Paul Revere as a result. And I I didn't see anything saying this, but my speculation and just reading what I did is that I'm guessing in the late 19th century with the rise of that, with the rise of the poem again, that made apparently made huge rounds towards the latter half of the 19th century. I'm guessing that that's why some of the poem has become, you know, and the poem's not so egregious. It's not so terribly inaccurate. You know, it's, it's, it, there's a poetic license taken. Yeah. Like, like you and but I talked the, about earlier. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and our memory of it though is informed by the poem because of this resurgence, you know, and, and I think that's probably why there's some inaccuracies. The poem is a very easy way. It's a lot of way in oral history. Well, it's like oral history that it passes down and, changes over time but you know we have this written document this written thing by longfellow that kind of informs how we remember paul revere's ride regardless of what sources come up that'll that, i just don't see that being supplanted as the primary source for a long time so it's just it's just kind of an interesting to think about and uh allegedly the last little thing is a lot of sources kind of nod to this idea that uh longfellow de- you know was very deliberate in his changes it was like it, it was it was he was very uh, you know 
he was very aware that he was changing things and was doing it for the poem. So just something to think about. Well, one of my things that I find very interesting is that uh, Paul Revere was the one who got caught. Dawson yeah. Prescott are these other two guys that are there. Nothing about them. They, yeah, they're, they're they actually not. succeeded. Nothing about them. And the and, over 40 who were not. Well, one of them didn't finish right. But yeah, it's a, but still, they got further than he did. Yeah, well, yeah and that, that's the whole and thing. And the over 40 who aren't even acknowledged. Well, I think I think Paul Revere is a good way to segue into the next guy I'm going to talk about. And the thing about, I'm going to talk about Ben Franklin. Now, the thing about Benjamin Franklin that's so interesting is, well, I mean, let me stop there. The thing about Ben Franklin is we could do a whole podcast on Benjamin Franklin just who he was and what he's done and the contributions he's made to our modern day society, even though that was, you know, 300 years ago, something like that. He didn't invent electricity. I invented electricity. I invented like mama says that electricity is the devil. Benjamin Franklin's <laughs> the, the devil. devil. <laughs> but so Benjamin Franklin's a really, really, really interesting character. So, the thing you have to understand about him is that like he was somebody who, as they say, he had his pen dipped in many, many, many different inks. You know, he oh, wrote, oh. We'll get to that later. Don't worry. It's funny because sex. And <laughs> and I've kind of been, you know, gone as like this conspiracy guy in the podcast. But there is a conspiracy theory about Benjamin Franklin, which I'll get to later, which to me is just fun to mention, but also might have some credence to it, which, again, I'll leave you. A little foreshadowing, I'll leave you hanging on that one. But so Benjamin Franklin, you know, he was a philosopher, he was a writer, um, he was an inventor, he was a cougar hunter, um, you know, that thing. Sorry, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and and dot 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 possible serial killer. I don't know. We'll just see. So Ben Franklin, but but here's the thing about Ben Franklin: he wasn't as smart as people made him out to be. He barely finished school through the second grade. Once he was 10 years old, he had no more formal schooling. His father wanted him to be in the seminary, but he couldn't afford it. So he's just like, all right, son, I want you to be a man of God. And he's like, cool, Papa. All right. And he's like, but I can only afford two years of schooling. So go enjoy it while you can. And then you're on your own and figure it out. <laughs> like that was it. So everything else that he's done, it was just self-made, reading books, everything else. So it's it, almost it like, was, like he wasn't smart. It's like he just wasn't educated. What yeah. education did he stop at right there? Second grade. Man, and that's like... 1700 second grade. God <laughs> Imagine damn. that. Like, yeah. That's Imagine like, that. it's like 2016 first grade. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just, it's really interesting that someone could do so much with literally so little formal education. So I, I thought that was a pretty fun thing to point out. Um, and, uh, but, but I think this is another fun thing to mention. He did get an honorary doctorate. And he always referred, but even before he had that, he referred to himself as Dr. Franklin. Just with no. D- yep. Dr. <laughs> Dr. 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 Franklin, Franklin Delano Bluth. <laughs> you ruined the act again, Job. But yeah, so he was always, he always felt like that he was smart enough to be a doctorate. Illusions, Michael. Illusions. Sorry. Something what a whore does for money. Or candy. Or candy. More like illusions, am I right? <laughs> anyway, sorry. So Ben Franklin was always <laughs> Dr. Franklin, regardless of what was going on. Uh, some people thought Ben Franklin was a founding father because he was a founding father. And I'm saying that he was a womanizer. He apparently liked to chase the older ladies. That's why I said he was a cougar hunter. So he's a founding father because mostly people found out that he was their father. It's very possible, yes. But... Here's the interesting thing. And like, I, 
I don't like to take like actual quotes that I find from places, but this was just too interesting not to. Ben Franklin was was said to have three major reasons why he went after the older ladies, as he liked to say. He said, reason one, no need for safe sex. Older women have already gone through menopause, so STDs didn't exist. Take that as you will. I guess that wasn't a big thing back in the 1780s or anything like that. Kids, this is not the Sex Myths episode. Do no. not listen to any advice we have about sex. <laughs> Benjamin Franklin's the devil. We went through that. Do not listen to his sexual advice. The other thing, well, the number two thing I should say that he said was that older women are more appreciative of the sex because they don't get it that often. So I guess he figured that older women were easier than younger women. Presumptive, are we? I'm just saying. I mean, well, I guess. say he went cougar hunting. <laughs> Oh, you. And the last thing that he said was <laughs> the reason he liked older women because the sin was less. They've already had sex. You can't ruin an older woman's life. Oh, well, take that I'm as not you gonna will. say he's wrong. No, I won't say he's wrong either. But oh, so, so now this is where I get in, into my Ben Franklin serial killer. So Ben Franklin, the serial killer, dot, dot, dot. True or not? We'll find out. So actually, There's there is a shovel in our hands currently. Well, we're like poised over digging. <laughs> And we're like, we keep skirting it with every other comment. I'm trying your not favorite, to. Your mom jokes to Greg at rumorfliespodcast.com. <laughs> oh, at gmail.com. So. My mom's name is you, okay? That's actually, that's really good. You know what? We're, we're really getting good. you back on this one. I'm No. This no. is happening, oh, God. okay? Oh, God. You don't hey, know when oh. it's going to be, but it's happening. Oh, God. Now that you have completely sidetracked this, Greg. <laughs> Am I going to have to put you two in timeout? I'll turn yes. this car around right now. Sorry, oh, Josh. Continue. I'm trying to drive this podcast here, and you two are just doing everything that's all over it. We're slapping each other in the back I'm saying hungry. he started are it. Are we there yet? Oh, my God. Okay. Are we there yet? I'm trying to talk about Benjamin Franklin being a serial killer. Can I finish? Yeah, sure. Can I finish? Can I finish? Serial the killer out of this. So the, but all right. So in all actuality, there's no actual evidence whether he was or was not a serial killer. But it's really interesting because in 1998, they were renovating his house in, in uh, Philadelphia, and Underneath his house, they found 10 bodies. Four, what? <laughs> they found 10 bodies under his house. Womp womp. Yeah. Four adults and six children. Now, the bodies were there for more than 200 years. So that puts it about the time frame where he was there. So, But they can't actually prove whether he, like, it was him or was another tenant of the house or what it was. But So it's entirely possible that he killed those people. Now they found like drill holes and like cut marks in him. So he was probably, so whoever it was, was probably doing either a, some kind of experiments on him or he was doing some sort of autopsy or something. It, that's illegal regardless. And no, I mean, honestly, in a historical perspective, it was a lot more accepted to just find a body of a drifter, cut them open and then advance science by a couple steps every I'm, now and then. I I'm, mean, I'm with you. I follow you. It's still illegal. It, though. It, yeah. It, but at the same time, <laughs> we're talking about a country that didn't exist beforehand. Didn't exactly have laws just yet. So we don't know when these bodies were exactly dated to. No, but they, they figure about 200 years ago. They put it in the ballpark of when Franklin was there, but it kind of extends that ballpark as well. Right. Uh, but at the same time, he's Ben Franklin. Who's going to call him out on his well, that's very true. I feel like if it was the case, he may have not killed them, but they may have died, and he happened to have obtained the bodies for scientific research. I mean, he, I mean, for all you know, he could have stolen from like a local university and like did you know post mortem you know exams on them and stuff like that. I you mean, never that, know. That's how H. H. Holmes made a living is selling dead bodies. I mean, yeah. he actually killed the people and then sold them, but you know, well, 
Maybe, maybe Ben Franklin had a little bit more class. Uh, little caveat, none of this is backed by anything. This is just me shooting my mouth off. So, <laughs> Well, no, no. There, is, there is actual documented evidence that they found. You know what? F*** you, Greg. There's, there, I'm so salty tonight. <laughs> I know. There, there is actual documented evidence. They found 10 bodies under his yeah. house. So there's no way to say Ben Franklin wasn't a serial killer, but there's no way to say that he was a serial killer as well. So it's kind of up in there. I mean... You'd like to think the guy who rewrote the Declaration of Independence didn't kill people for fun. You'd like to think that. But what if he did it for science? I mean, yeah, but you'd like to still think that he didn't kill 10 people for fun. Listeners, let us know if you think that Ben Franklin was serial killing people. (laughs) A for yes, B for no, C for... (laughs) So one of the things that we also talked about with you two was that you both believed that Ben Franklin had syphilis... And that's why he was bald. I had heard that, and like I had heard it so common. Like, would I would I put money down on it? Eh, probably not. But honestly, if someone was like, "Gun your head to the syphilis," I'm like, I'd probably say, "Yeah." Well, he actually didn't. Yeah, he actually well, lived. I'm dead. He actually. Well, hey, here's the <laughs> answer. Well, just a side note: he was 70 years old when he rewrote the Declaration of Independence. I did not realize he was that f-ing old. For the record, that's like 100 years old today. That's, I, that's what I was gonna say. Like the life expectancy back then was like 26. And he was seven. Yeah. Okay, I know I'm exaggerating, but still. The fact that he was 70 rewriting the Declaration of Independence. It's pretty, pretty good. Dude's got it together. Which leads me later on to why he, he actually didn't have syphilis. So he was always a sharp individual, as you know. Now, one of the things about his last remaining days was that he was also very, you know, talkative to his family. He, you know, he was very, he, he was in a good state of mind the whole time. That there's, there's documented proof of what he said. They even have his famous last words, which I, I've heard it before. One of his most famous quotes was one of his, was his last one on his deathbed: "A dying man can do nothing easy." Now that proves, and like that was the last thing he said. But that proves why he did not have syphilis because tertiary syphilis is actually a stage of syphilis. And one of the things they say about it is that you actually lose your mind and your mental capacity and nothing like that ever happened. Yeah, there's like direct neurological ramifications. Yeah, so there's no way. So the fact that he was still sharp witted and still able to talk and stuff like that, that just proves that he did not have syphilis. I see you have on the, I'm looking at thing right now, one of your sources is the uh, NIH, right? Yeah. So is that, were they talking about Tertiary syphilis is one of the reasons for thinking he didn't have it. Was yeah, yeah, them? they they mentioned it in, in one part of the articles that I was reading over, but and yeah. there's National Institute of Health. I mean, if you doubt that as a source, well, then you're probably a conspiracy theorist. Yeah, I which mean, we welcome with open arms. I found it on Wikipedia and changed the source. Actually, so. hey, Alex Jones, please write us and then bitch about <laughs> us on your stupid <laughs> fucking radio show. We really want you to mention us. <laughs> we well, the so the I'm gonna talk two more things about Ben Franklin here. So there was there was the syphilis and then there was the Hellfire Club, which I know Brian talked about. I don't, Greg, did you know about the Hellfire Club? No, I think when we when we were all hanging out about a week ago, or a few eh, a few days ago, we were talking about it, and that was the first time I'd heard of it. So basically, what it was was just like a speakeasy back in the day. It was just a place hidden away from everything, except this was more for predominant members of society, like people who were very. Um, like prominent status. Yeah, 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 yeah. They've like, you know, they were, they weren't just like your average people who go in and like try to drink alcohol when it was banned or anything. The big wigs. Yeah, it was, it was the big wigs. Exactly. Except the hellfire club would have these people and it wasn't like an actual membership you had to have. So this is like rewind a little bit back to the way back machine. This is the club 33 of revolutionary America. Pretty much. Except I don't think it cost that much. Okay. I hope it didn't. 
And it wasn't, but, and Club 33 was just like, that's one club. These like were all over the world. Oh. So it wasn't just like one spot. They had them in England. They had them in the United States. They had them in, you know, uh, all over. So I know I just mentioned two places, but there were other places as well. Okay. So, but those are the two main places that speak English. Those are the important places. That's exactly right. right. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's that's all I'm going with. But those, so they were all over, but Ben Franklin was never actually a member of the Hellfire Club. Now, they, the, one of the things about the Hellfire Club is they would drink, they would, they would have like, they would bet on things, they would, have uh, sexual endeavors where they would have sex with pretty much anyone and everyone of all ages. It was very, very f***ed up. Like, they would get, like, little... Well, he was so f***ed up about indiscriminate f***ing. Well, they, no, I'm talking, like, they would have, like, kids. Bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. wait, there is that age threshold. I meant just, like... No, I no, no, I'm talking, like, like I, I meant literally... Bleeping, I doing? meant, like, all ages, like, kids, boys, girls, uh, okay, everything. Okay, so I was thinking you were just calling out old people, but I just realized I just defended, like... Pedos. No, no. <laughs> We're not about that here. No, 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 no. But so it was a really f***ed up like society. They did like some really weird shit, but not all of them were like that. Like you have your good eggs and you have your bad eggs. You have your pedophiles and you have your people that like to just got get your old eggs, get your new eggs. Exactly. Exactly. But Ben Franklin was never actually a member, quote unquote, of the Hellfire Club. He was there. It was recorded he was there, but it's unfortunate because the records were burned in like 1774, something like that. So they lost all their records of where he was a regular, like, not he was a regular, but he was there. But people actually thought he was spying on what was going on there and reporting it back. So there's no telling what exactly he was doing there. That could also just be a really bullshit cover story. It's being like, oh my God, this is so disgusting. I'm just going to continue to watch it and I'll be back next week at the same time and hopefully have the same thing going on. I, I had more thing. It was just like, oh my God, Franklin's here again. Tell him to quit watching his fucking. <laughs> I mean, Franklin is coming. He's here every oh, goddamn God. Tuesday. <laughs> I mean, he was, I mean, like the time he was going to these hellfire clubs, like he was in the sixties. So he was, an, he was an older man, you know, but he never actually was a, a, a real member of the Hellfire Club. Now, the, the other thing that people when they talk about, you know, or they think about Ben Franklin is, you know, electricity. You know, there's the, the famous image or picture that people have seen of Ben Franklin in the middle of a goddamn thunderstorm with a kite and with a key on one end. And he invented electricity. All right. He literally invented it. But he didn't literally invent electricity. <laughs> there is a difference between invent and discover. And we'll no, no, just no, no, go no, ahead. no. But you haven't told people. You haven't heard people say Ben Franklin invented electricity. Yes, I have. I no, I've heard that. Oh, no, I was just, I was just being. No, 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 no. But I, I think that's a silly. Good, no, but that's a good point to make. I've heard so many people say that. But that's like saying Columbus invented America. You don't know that. Uh, true. <laughs> so, but but that was actually one of my points was that. Ben Franklin didn't invent electricity, but what he did, he was the first one to discover there was a positive and negative charge with it. Now, what he was setting out to do originally with with the kite and the key on it was to show that lightning and electricity as we know it were both one and the same thing. And he proved just that. So he goes out in the middle of the field, throws a kite up, gets struck by lightning. The kite does. He takes it down. He sees that the threads on on the the string that he had were all tattered and ruined. And then, you know, like an intelligent human being, he decides, oh, man, this must have got hit by electricity. So I'm going to take my knuckle and put it against this key and see what happens. 
and he got zapped to pieces. Like it zapped the shit out of him. Luckily, it wasn't strong enough to do any, you know, long lasting damage. But a little life pro tip for you. If you're going to grab something and you're unsure if it's going to electrocute you, don't grab with your left arm because it's closest to your heart. If you grab with your right hand, you have a slightly better chance. But you just generally shouldn't touch things. I was going to say, corollary to all that, just don't touch things that have been hit by lightning or, you know, electricity or anything like that. Once again, kids, if you relapse back into heroin, don't switch arms. Go back (laughs) into the one you used to use. There you go. So, but, so the, you know, the the kite thing was true. It was 100% true. It actually happened. So he was the discoverer of positive and negative charges of electricity if you want to be technical about Benjamin Franklin. Maybe if he stayed in school, he wouldn't touch the key and we wouldn't have electricity. That's exactly I it. feel it's almost an injustice, but maybe we'll get back to Ben Franklin another day. I would, I'm telling you, we could we could sit here and we could do like multiple episodes on Benjamin Franklin. All right, next episode on Ben Franklin flies. <laughs> All right, that's, that's what you got, Josh? I'm done, yeah. You, you, what you got, George Washington? I got two little tidbits on George Washington. Once again, somebody who is enamored in tons of fact and myth, but uh, we're only going to touch on two of the big ones. Uh, For one, we're going to go with good old little Georgie with the cherry tree. So the story behind this is that way back when George Washington was a little toddler and his dad decided, hey, George, you seem like you're about the age. Let me go ahead and give you a hatchet. Got to be careful with this, though. With great power comes great responsibility. Is that how it went down? Yeah. So anyway, after George Washington's dad got shot by the Sandman, um, (laughs) George Washington was... Okay, that didn't happen. I'm just going to... Anyway. So George Washington got his hatchet from his dad, and his dad went and ate breakfast or something. So George is going like, okay, cool. I got this hatchet and everything. You got to be safe with it, though. So he goes up to a little patch of grass and just like starts chopping at it. He's got some cut grass. like, cool. But what else can my hatchet do? Goes up to a few little stalks of wheat. Cuts them down. Cool. What else can I do with this? Finds that you're a corn that fell on the ground from the fields. Just slices straight through that. And then he just decided he is taking it to the extreme. Like the grass was like a gateway plant to cut. So eventually it escalates. (laughs) And little Georgie goes ahead and chops down one of the family cherry trees. And his dad eventually goes and is like, George, um, this cherry tree is chopped down. Uh, Did you do this? And as most kids would have done, I know I would have found any way to blame it on my best friend. Yep. Um, you would have probably taken the blame for me for this, Josh. Oh, um, thanks, Ryan. I've fallen on so many swords. <laughs> anyway, Josh. Uh, <laughs> I've fallen on so many swords for you, Ryan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, so his dad's just like, George, uh, what the f***? Why is this cherry tree co- chopped down right now? He's like, Dad, I... Okay, I did it. I cannot tell a lie. I chopped down the cherry tree. He knew his legacy back then. And his father cried Duh. with tears. And was What else like, would he cry with? My son is so virtuous. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> As opposed to acid. According to some Roman Catholic statues, blood. He cried with blood. Okay, okay. Josh? Okay. But his dad okay. didn't do that. He was a conventional human being. So his dad cried tears of joy because his son didn't lie to him. Yes, because he was a virtuous person. He had raised him right. Even though he still chopped down a cherry tree. Well, uh, we're going to go ahead and call this one 100% purebred bullshit. Yay, yay. Um, so where Copyright this- Penn & Teller. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> where this story came from <laughs> was from a guy named Mason Locke Weems. And he that wrote sounds a- like a 
shitty name. Uh, Weem said it. Dude, mm. we called so many names from people. I like, know. Oh. But anyway. Uh, Sounds like he's a little rat dick. Well, he locks Weems. That's what he does. Mason Lock Weems. <laughs> that sounds right. That sounds right. Anyway, so Mr. Weems. Mr. Weems. After he wrote his book, The Life of Washington in 1800, which was right after 1799, surprise, surprise, which was right when George Washington died, they really needed to start building the character of this nation. So... Apparently, Mr. Weems decided that an autobiography meant, I'm going to make this guy a f***ing superhero. So what he decided to say in, when talking to his publisher was that, quote, Washington, you know, is gone. Millions are gaping to read something about him. My plan. I give his history sufficiently minute. I then go on to show that his paralleled rise and elevation were due to his great virtues. So... It capital sounds G, like capital V. It sounds like I slipped up in that sentence, but that's how it was written. I don't know how their English works. So then. he was basically just looking to make money. He was a get rich quick scheme. Not only that, it, it kind of serves a dual purpose. Uh, this did not appear in his first uh, edition of George Washington's autobiography. Hmm. Autobiography in quotes. Oh, I forgot <laughs> to say unquote. Sorry, Dan Carlin. Um, so anyway, uh, the story appeared in the fifth edition in 1806. So, pretty much, Mason uh, Locke Weems decided that autobiographies really are more about painting the character of a person that you want to be than really inca- like capturing who they were. And honestly, this is kind of a fault of a lot of historians up until almost recently. Uh, I mean, Greg, ancient historians, uh, tall tales or no? I mean, yeah, it's, it's just kind of a. Yeah, it's a mixed bag. You have, a, especially because a lot of stuff, especially until like, even into the early, early 20th century, is very religiously informed. Well, well, from the little bit that I dug <laughs> into, a lot of the autobiographies seem to be more of big fish stories than anything else. But oh, of, yeah, the whole point is it, the great man theory of history basically reigned for like over a thousand years. So Just here, the idea that great men moved everything. Here's my question. <laughs> here's my question. Why would they release a fifth edition with, within six years? Uh, I guess because it wasn't impressive enough. And also, if you consider well, I this, mean, like, like you should, like, if you're going to believe that, shit, you should also take a look at, like, wow, they released five editions in six years. Well, How much did he have to update? There also weren't mass pressings back then. It was a much more limited uh, I release. Guess. I mean, yeah, so but... So there was much more options where it was like, hey, we're about to make another pressing of this. Is there anything you want to add or remove from this? <laughs> and he goes, so. sure, you know what? I will make Washington even better the fifth time around. <laughs> so that, That's my point. <laughs> So, uh, this story is completely fabricated. Uh, Weems completely admitted it. Um, and this is not the first time any person's story has been embellished. But it kind of builds a character so that people can kind of, like, build their identity around, like, one of the greatest founding fathers. He was a great dude, even from, like, the jump when he was just chopping down cherry trees. But moving on to a little bit more of what the man actually did. His toofuses. His (laughs) toofuses. Um, George Washington was pretty historically known to have bad dental health care. He was known to, what, what's the word about it? He had something like, uh, dentures or what, what yeah, was it? Dentures. That's he had wooden teeth is what I was always yeah, told. Yeah, exactly. Wooden yeah. teeth. That was the consensus about it. I think towards that's his, what I always heard too. During his presidency, he maybe had one actual tooth is what I heard. But anyway, George Washington supposedly had wooden teeth. Not true. We actually have a he few... Had, he didn't have one tooth? He had less than one tooth? Yeah, he had no teeth. He had dentures. But anyway, uh, especially they weren't wooden. Actually, uh, one second. Hold up one second. I, it, there we go. Okay. All right. So moving back into George Washington. Research over. <laughs> 
there have actually been a few recovered um, pairs of George Washington's dentures. It was very true that he had terrible teeth and he needed dentures almost towards the midpoint of his life, right at the end of his life. I remember they don't have, don't they have that in like the Smithsonian or something like that? Uh, yes, they do have a few collections of them, and some were stolen and reappeared back then, uh, more recently. But their compositions, yeah, some people stole his dentures. I was going to say, way to like blow past that. People stole his teeth. I was going to say like, okay, it's one thing to steal the Mona Lisa because like it's a timeless painting. We're not going to make it about the thieves, okay? I'm sorry. I shouldn't give him the justice. All right. So anyway, the composition of George Washington's dentures that we have so far have not been wood at all. They've consisted of bone, hippo ivory, human teeth, brass screws, lead, and gold metal wire. Did any of those sound interesting? Yeah, gold metal wire. Gold metal wire? No. Lead. Human part. Uh, yeah, the human teeth. <laughs> uh, but seriously, lead? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean... Whoopsies! He was a crazy motherfucker. He crossed the Delaware. PB, bruh. So, lead created America. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, human well, teeth, Well, I mean, wait, wait. Isn't that the saying? Leads make America great again? Yeah. <laughs> we said we wouldn't go political. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right. So human teeth. <laughs> oh my god! I know it's so terrible, but I can't stop. Now that Greg's done spitting up his own human teeth, <laughs> I love Donald Trump. <laughs> stop! <laughs> stop! <laughs> All right, lead, lead teeth, human teeth, whatever teeth. All right. So the little outlier here among hippo ivory was that uh, George Washington had human teeth in some of his dentures, and they decided to look this up and. It turns out from the deep depths of one of George Washington's account books, he had, I believe, nine teeth from Negroes for 122 shillings. That is a quote. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that wasn't me using a dated racist term, okay? This is exact quote. I just want to make it very clear. <laughs> I, I didn't call it this time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so... Apparently, the human tooth trade back then, this is a time where slavery was rampant. Everybody had it. If you didn't have it, you were probably poor. Yeah. Um, but a big way to get these dental replacements is to take it from your slaves. Because what better thing to do if you own people? You may as well just own every part of them, they said. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, once again, we're going to go ahead with this like uh, this top-down view of people's morals from back then. But this is was generally a practice. If you needed teeth, you would go to the people that you own that happen to also have teeth. And you would get dentures made from them. I mean, like, yeah, you, you need a tooth. You take it from there. You need something else. You take it from there. Like, yeah, it makes but sense. we'll go ahead and give a little bit of credence to this and leave in the 122 shillings part. George Washington was known to be a... Uh, Generous? Jesus Christ. I want y'all to just, like, follow how big my quotes are. <laughs> Air a quotes. fair slave owner, and he recompensated his slaves for his work, potentially. There is no document saying that it was his slaves, but he did, according to the accounts, give a payment for these teeth to make for his dentures. This is extreme. And who knows where the money went to. Right. Uh, exactly. That could womp also womp. be a thing. He could have paid a slave owner for those teeth, and he could have just been like, all right, I got a hammer. Let's go ahead and get you those teeth. Come back with me. Um, and it, anyway, it, this is an extremely horrific part of American history. Just like, just about every, you can find horrific I was things in say, every part of American yeah. history or world history or anywhere yeah. human existence. Yeah. Um, but this is a very specific one. Yes, there were slaves. Yes, they were used for terrible things. And yes, this is what happened. There were human teeth in George Washington's dentures. So uh, we're not going to overlook this. 
but at the same time, we're going to go ahead and say it probably wasn't as horrific as it could have been. Yes. Still horrific. And this is just as bad as the uh, the Salem Witch Trials. Yes, they hanged them, and it could have been a lot worse of a death where they could have burned them, but they still killed innocent people. They still took innocent people's teeth. The operative word being, it's all relative. Right. And <laughs> uh, I really wanted to get a little bit more into this, where George Washington has so many myths around him. Josh got to cover a little bit more about Ben Franklin, but honestly, some of the other stuff surrounding George Washington was just... Uh, who he was as a strategist and such and such and such. Um, but the last thing I guess I'll leave on on this is that uh, George Washington's teeth may have played a little bit of a pivotal role in the American Revolution uh, because, yes, he had very bad teeth, but he almost wanted to keep this as a state secret to the point where he was kind of embarrassed about it. You know, you can't blame him for being embarrassed about having practically no teeth. But what ended up happening was he sent a correspondence to one of his dentists asking for a new replacement pair of dentures. And this was intercepted by the British. I believe it was intercepted by Clinton, I think his name was. Bill Clinton, I think so. No, not Bill oh, Clinton. Hillary. Hillary. I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was their son, Lord Clinton. Um, Sister to Chelsea? Yes. Uh, anyway, they thought that George Washington would be moving to a place that he actually wasn't moving to because this was in the whole batch. And since it was official state militia mail, they thought that everything in there was valid. They ended up big time f***ing up. And the they, British, you mean? Yes. Okay. The British f***ed up and they decided to not move the soldiers uh, away from Yorktown, which led to George Washington defeating Lord Cornwallis at Yorktown. I'm not going to get much further into that because I'm just going to end up setting myself up for a lot more attacks on, like, you know, historical accuracy. And Greg isn't looking at me with, like, fire I'm eyes not, just yet. I'm but, not. Okay. Okay. We're going to go on with that. Well, if you want to know more about, Lord, know about the subject to comment If you want to know more about Lord Cornwallis, you can watch Mel Gibson's The Patriot. He's exactly. And or turn. True American actor. Heath Ledger. By the way, you realize that Heath Ledger is not, he's not American, right? Yeah. Okay. He was out. never American. I know. But he's in a movie about... You know, I haven't seen him in a while. <laughs> oh, my God. That was so stuck. Whoa! I couldn't even... The there goes the air. There okay. Sorry. Jesus. I heard, like, the buzzing of the computer. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. All right. Anyway, so that's George Washington. Look, we're uh, talking about, like, people getting burned alive, hanged, and all people getting their teeth ripped out. You're going to get hate mail about Heath Ledger out of all this shit. That's what you're going to get hate mail about. Yeah, his joker is okay. <laughs> I, I doubt that George Washington's death <laughs> is considered Jack to be too better. All right. Um, so enough about George Washington. We're going to go take it back around to Greg. And he has so, what? Yeah, so we, so there's the, the this kind of more founding father myths. And this one, you know, I did a little research on it. But the fact is this this one was kind of a, a gray area for us. And the other, you know, I, to be honest, I sprung this on uh, on a. Josh and Ryan over here, kind of last minute that I was a little iffy about it. Uh, no, no surprise. Based on my collegiate allegiance, I have a you know, oh Thomas Jefferson, sacred territory. But um, there's there's this. Uh, Wait, what's your collegiate allegiance? Uh, to the flag, the university. So, so Thomas Jefferson. There's these allegations that came out. I forgot exact year that the book came out, but basically that Sally Hemings, one of his slaves, that he was having a sexual relationship with her. And there's all kinds of stories throughout history, and and it's honestly very proven that many slave owners had sex, you know, arguably by force, um, just depending on the situation, unfortunately. Uh, but they had sexual relations with their slaves. So there's this story that came out that Thomas, A, he was having sex with slaves, particularly B, Sally Hemings, and then C, might have had offspring. 
This is a joke in 30 Rock. This is a joke on uh, Chappelle's show, I think it was. It was either Chappelle's show or it was, um might have been Key and Peel. I can't remember which one, the, the whole um, oh, the, uh, Ancestry.com thing. It, that was, was uh, it Key and Peel? Because yeah. that was one of those ones that like I think them as, I love Key and Peel. I thought Chappelle's show was higher brow. But it was a joke, a whole thing about all the black people who were on the Ancestry.com commercial they made were relatives they were all saying they're like i'm instead of thomas jefferson they go through people another person going thomas jefferson they kept going back to it so this book came out i don't know it was like 10 years ago maybe but there was a documentary tv show on it too like about one of his descendants families don't you do it don't you do it don't you do it the jeffersons oh my god (sighs) so so thomas jefferson though basically there's there's some there it's it's, it's not disproven it's kind of new but it's not like yesterday news so it's one of those things that it'll kind of shake out over time um it could very well be true uh it's honestly hard to say it's kind of a, a recent subject but uh yeah it, it's it's worth noting and and whether or not he specifically had it it's honestly you know these things unfortunately happened it's uh it's a terrible thing and it was there there were these relationships like i said sometimes not willingly between slaves and their masters at the time so just some you know Another ugly part of American history, unfortunately. Well, so is it leaning more towards the, this is completely relevant, consensual sure. or was Thomas Jefferson? There, there seemed to be some suggestions that they had a relationship that like, it wasn't like, this wasn't rape. Like, it doesn't seem like, you know, I mean, not, you know, sorry, trigger warning, et cetera, not to be condescending <laughs> towards all that. But just like the fact is like, you know, th- there wasn't seem to be any indication that was by force. Call it Stockholm Syndrome, if you will. But yeah, yeah, it, it, it seemed to be that they had a relationship that was, you know, I don't know, if, you know, necessarily loving, but it was, you know, it, she it wasn't. One-sided. She might have been willing. Yeah, it wasn't um, one-sided. Define willing, except I know this is very complicated territory: the politics of sexuality and and ownership and all these things. You know, it's 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 all hindsight. We're, you see why we were so hesitant to cover this topic because well, everything mean, we have to like cover our asses with just like yeah, I mean, three layers honest, of Kevlar. I'm, I'm dealing with, I'm dealing with a difficult topic to be honest here. But the fact is like, you know, it might've happened if it didn't happen with him. It definitely, I mean, I'm sure plenty with people, of founding yeah. fathers had relationships with their slaves. I mean, this is something that's very clearly documented in many, 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 many primary sources. Uh, yeah, I think it was just something well worth, well worth noting, kind of like with... Oh, yeah, no, I'm not... I don't not bother we covered it. I just was like, honestly, as I was work, I started to work on it, and I was like, man, I'm not going to find anything conclusive on this. There's only one major secondary source on it right now, and, like, everything else is kind of, like, spun off from that so far. That's kind of like, you know, with Sam Adams. Like, you know, I was planning on talking, like, a whole lot about Sam Adams, but the truth of the, truth of the matter... And I mean the beer like how it became Sam Adams and all the other stuff. I was expecting like this big elaborate history on it. Dude, that segue was smooth as but, fuck. Oh my God, you didn't have to point it out. But the whole point about th- with Sam Adams was that the only reason like these guys from Boston in 1984 decided that they wanted to open up a brewery and it was a recipe that they got from you know their dad and who got it from his dad or whatever. So they opened up a brewery and they were like, Hmm, what are we going to name it? They're like, that's Sam Adams guy. You know, he was a Patriot. He was, uh, he was a pretty cool dude. People really like him around here. And, uh, you know, he, he brewed some beer. His dad, you know, did that from time to time and he inherited that. So, uh, that's, we're going to name our beer. And that's how Sam Adams became Sam Adams. And I've had people who, who claim that their original recipe for the Boston lager came from like, came from, you know, that they, they like found his recipe in an attic or something. Like I've actually heard people like say that really, so I have like, no idea if they, I have no idea if Boston beer companies ever even claim that uh, it could be completely fabricated. I, well, I did a lot of research into it and I mean that, that is the only 
mention of Sam Adams and like the Sam Adams Brewing Company that they have in common. And the only reason I know that they have that in common is because it's on their website. And that is like the one sentence they have about why they're named Sam Adams. Right. So yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that Boston Beer Company has made no claims ever as to it being related no, to the guy. No, no, at no, all. not at yeah. all. And, and just you would think though that like there would be some kind of significance behind it, but you know, like I said, they didn't even start being a company till th- you know 30 years ago. So I, I just I figured there would be something more about it. Just you know, kind of like with the you know sex slaves with Thomas Jefferson. But so yeah. it's them trying to get a really strong start with their local appeal first, and then it just and like, build their way up. Smart business, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I I don't hate Honestly, them for I, it. I do enjoy them. I just I really thought that <laughs> the you know cherry wheat that that cherry wheat may have turned me into an alcoholic. I know right? I love that I love that cherry wheat, but it's just I figured there would be more to it than just so something good. as simple as that, but. Coming to find out, you know, that we've learned with this podcast, sometimes the simplest answer is the best one. Yeah, I, I, I like that one. I like the short and concise. We've been really, really in-depth with some of these. or We've actually tried to not make it in-depth, but yeah. we still end up just going on these giant rants. But I guess uh, you want me to wrap it up with one little last subject? Yeah, go ahead. Bring it home. I thought this one was kind of fun, but it's kind of making me anti-patriotic because it's going a little bit against the grain. So, commie alert right here. We're going to talk about Betsy Ross. Good old Betsy Ross was the woman who famously... Founded the Red Cross? No, that was Florence Nightingale. You're you're jumping way too ahead. That's like two other eras later. Like, this might be season three that we cover Florence Nightingale. Was she the one that that was in the movie with Daniel Day-Lewis as Abraham Lincoln? That was Betty Ross. Oh. Was that Rick Ross's grandma? It was Rick Ross's great, 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 great grandma. I'm the boss, Betsy Ross. <laughs> Betsy Ross, Trillo 5, what it do? All right, sorry. Watch that end up in one of his songs. Uh, <laughs> and then we can sue him for all the money. Oh, so much money. Oh, my God. We need to copyright the shit out of that. Anyway, Betsy Ross, widely known as the lady who made the first American flag used by the Continental Congress of the United States and wow. also used during the American Revolution. She was the one that made the famous flag that was uh, 13 alternating stripes with 13 stars, five-pointed stars on a field of blue, usually in a circle. Yeah, that's why I've always been told it was. Right. I've never seen anything otherwise. I mean, only recently, especially with the thing kind of like the, is it the Tea Party movement that's doing the Don't Tread on Me flag with the yellow snake on there? And I'm pretty sure... I'd, you did most of the work on this one. I am fairly certain the reason they did the red and white alternating stripes with those those were the rebellious stripes during the revolution pre thirteen colonies flag. That's what I yeah that's what I'm. I'm pretty right. sure that that they would raise those up above elm trees um, during the revolution. Really, I, I that needs to be double checked. This is a this is a purely memory based thing, so we'll have to come back to that at some point. Homework. Yes, because technically there wasn't even thirteen colonies originally. Right, but I don't think it was the, the thirteen stripes. I'm not sure what the the if that's actually like the colonies or not, or if that was thirteen when she made her flag. I know they did alternating red and white stripes. Anywho, uh, we're gonna go ahead and get into what the actual flag was back then. Really, the most common flag used during the Revolutionary War was similar to the one that we have now. It has the thirteen alternating stripes, but there was a Union Jack. In the top left corner, so where the stars would normally be on the American flag, you have a Union Jack. Really? Yes. Huh. 
So the only problem is this ended up being kind of a confusing thing during the battles yeah, because I can a lot of that. people may have thought it was a surrender flag when it was raised over a fort or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they decided they wanted to change it, and eventually it ended up being the Stars and Stripes that we know now with the 13 stars around the circle. And as we know, Betsy Ross really didn't come into the picture until 100 years after the Declaration of Independence was signed. Really? Yes, at least as a historical figure. In 1870, a man named William Canby, who was the grandson of Betsy Ross, who he made a paper to the Historical Society of Pennsylvania called The History of the Flag of the United States. And his story is that way back in 1776, uh, at the cusp of the Revolution, George Ross and George Washington decided to walk into a random seamstress, uh, seamstress's store. And this happened to have been good old Betsy Ross. William Canby's grandmother. And they said, hey guys, we're with the Continental Congress Flag Committee, and we are really trying to make a flag right now. Uh, only problem is, we're kind of running out of ideas or anything you could help us do. And George Ross gave her a drawing of the concept of the flag, and it was similar to what you ended up seeing right now, but it had six-pointed stars. And uh, she was like, eh, it looks alright, but aesthetically the six-pointed stars aren't too great. And he was like, uh, she's like, it might be good with five-pointed stars. And they're like, well, we thought about that, but it would really take a lot of time to make those five-pointed stars. It's much easier to make the six-pointed stars in the flag. And she goes, wait, 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 no, no, one second, guys. Then she gets, like, a piece of paper and folds it up a few times, and with, like, one cut, it says, with her scissors, she was able to make a five-pointed star. And all of a sudden, George Ross and George Washington lost their shit. They were just like, oh, we are totally f- doing this now and then it got passed through the continental congress and then it got passed uh it got made the flag of the united states after that because they were blown away with the cut of a one yeah, right pair of scissors. so they just sat there and they were just like we are like founding fathers we are geniuses we can do whatever we want to we are building a nation but we really don't want to spend our time making five-pointed stars instead and betsy ross comes and just like saves the goddamn day and just made flag making so much easier um she f- their world up is what she did right she just like blew their minds they were like jumping around the room like off the walls <laughs> it was amazing like george squared loved this uh, george squared <laughs> well ross and washington i called them that but that just sounds like two people that's, with different names it sounds like an attorney's office ross and george george and george george no where'd ross the third one come from <laughs> They're just, they made, it's always like 20 names like alan 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 yeah, yeah. They no should, one. They should put an exponent at the top. No, yeah. I totally get what you're saying right there. Yeah. <laughs> at least around here, I don't know if that's like a worldwide thing. I mean, wouldn't that make sense if you like you're an attorney, like you have powers, to be like Alan to the power of four? That makes oh, sense. Geez. I'm just saying. Yeah. Oh Jesus. Anyway, so getting into this, uh, much like a lot of the other stories that we covered right now, this Bullshit. was a yeah. <laughs> it was a word of mouth. Uh, so she actually did make flags for the Navy, uh, the Pennsylvania Navy specifically. Because uh, there's back so much water to... around Pennsylvania. Well, I mean, she made them. There's records of it. Okay. I'm just I'm just saying. She made them for the Pennsylvania Navy. But the issue is that... Um, just how the f*** do they have a Navy? There's no water anywhere. I mean, they have like a little bit of water, but it's not like... Eh, Greg's right. looking up a map right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay. Oh, I believe you. All right. So you're the army. You're going to go fight these people. You're in the Navy. You go sit under that tree. Uh, you know, like, all right, anyway, that's what I'm just saying. Some people walk up to a crazy Betsy Ross and they're just like, look, this 
crazy. We need to give her something to do. Hey, we're with the Pennsylvania Navy. You want to make some flags for us? She's like, sure. And also, I've never, once again, with the whole benches for Thanksgiving, I have never imagined Betsy Ross as young. I know she was at some point, but, like, I've never seen her as young. She came out the womb, like, wrinkled as No, like, when I'm ma- making flags. When I imagine Betsy Ross, I imagine, like, an old, like, Civil War nurse's outfit with Morgan Freeman's hair. Like, that's what I imagine as Betsy Ross. That's a bit more creative than my vision. <laughs> Greg, what you got? I envision a little baby Betsy Ross but in a tuxedo shirt. So, you know, she's formal, but I'm here to party. So child labor? <laughs> <laughs> but I like I imagine like that old like that hair though, like Morgan Freeman has like that kind of like the afro y like 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 gray on top of like there's so like some black in the roots and kind of thing. Like no goatee, obviously, but like that's how I imagine Betsy Ross. All right, you win for your depiction of Betsy Ross for me. You got way more into it than I did. <sighs> Jesus. Um, did you imagine just I'm like just a thinking stick that figure? old painting like, where it's like her like sewing and they're all like hanging out. She got the like you know what I'm talking about. She's like I think she's in like a blue dress. Oh, she's always on a rocking chair. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah. That's she's like, it's like that's like, I always remember that like, painting where she's like in the middle of sewing. I mean, it's kind of like I saw a picture of Willie Nelson when he was young the other day. It just never occurred to me that Willie Nelson was young yeah. and didn't have long hair. Like it just I saw a picture when he was young. I'm like, who the f- is this dude? And I'm like, that's Willie Nelson. It just, it just blew my mind. Sorry. All right. If you haven't turned off the podcast yet, we're going to go ahead and cover this. <laughs> this so, part will make sure you do. <laughs> in 1776, there was no congressional flag committee uh, for the Continental Congress. So that wasn't real. Uh, as far as we know, we have not found any documents on it. And not only that, George Washington wasn't in Congress. So he would have had nothing to do with this <laughs> shit. Like, this was like, this dude was like, we need to find some good names to walk in. Dude, that George Washington dude seems pretty virtuous. You know, he admitted to the cherry tree being chopped down. He probably was pretty true about walking in. You know, they'll believe it if he went and commissioned her to make the flag. Was this was this in your boy's book about him doing this? Uh, No, this wasn't okay. in your boy's book. Okay. This was in He's Betsy Ross's grandson's paper that he wrote. Yeah, I know. But I was just wondering if like there was any, like if there was some kind of overlap with conspiracy theories. No, this wasn't in okay. that. So, uh, so we're going to get into who actually did make the flag. Okay, who did? Most sources point to Francis Hopkinson, who was a New Jersey representative to the Continental Congress, and he was very well known for his uh, symbol work. Uh, he was very well known for just pretty much being able to encapsulate a lot of ideas into one little picture. And it it is still preserved today. He had a lot to do with making the Great Seal of the United States, uh, the Treasury Seal, and some American currency back then. And the reason why they thought he was involved with the flag was because he actually had a record of uh, looking for uh, compensation for designing the American flag from Congress. And they denied him this request for compensation, saying that he had help, but they did acknowledge that he was involved with it. So um, whether he did it completely or not, I mean, I really feel like it's one of those things where it doesn't take more than four people to put together a flag of, yeah. you know, primary colors and then five point stars. Um, but that is the most evidence that we have to as to who made mm-hmm. the original colony flag. Uh, and this is actually kind of cool because it's one of the biggest things in American history. It's symbolic to us. It's yeah. part of our identity. Yeah. But really, we don't have a solid answer to the roots of it. And that's, once again, saying why this episode was a little bit... Um, it's touchy. Because we really... There's definitely one of those ones where comments are welcome. Because, like, you know, 
we have very little time where, you know, we're all guys with busy lives. We do the best we can. But if y'all have something that's like a really good source, like send it to us, prove us wrong. Like that's something like, this is something that like we would love to have more. Well, we'll recap it for we're you. more, honestly, I'd say we're more confident. This is one of our less confident ones where I feel very, I'd like feel like I did the due diligence, but I would not be surprised to be wrong about some of the things well, I said. I, I agree. Like yeah. there's like, you can sit here and you could put in, you know, 10 times the amount of research that we did for this. And I'm not saying we didn't do a lot because we did. I know we all busted our balls to get this, to make sure we covered all of our asses, but there's just so much busted out there. Busted our balls to cover our asses. <laughs> well, there's a reason hardcore history takes months to come well, out uh, and well, he still gets slammed. You know, I mean, it's hard. Yeah, Dude, there's just so hard. much that goes on and like, there's so many narratives that go along and that's the other thing. Like, I know this podcast was probably a lot more long-winded than you were expecting and you being the listener. And I know there's probably, you weren't expecting as much detail as we gave, but it's a necessity when we go into things like this is because you need to understand what we're trying to say and why we're saying it the way we're saying it, because this is where we're getting our information from. And this is what we found. And this is what we believed in. And this was credible to us. Right. Um, So once again, Write us in if you want, but I think we're just doing a little wrap up at this point. We're done, you know, going over the topics and such. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I thought this was great. Uh, I guess to start off with a little roundtable of like what we can go with this is a, a little like thread that I saw with this is kind of like summed up by uh, John Acton's quote that um, great men are almost always bad men. Yeah. And I find this to be true. Throughout history, I mean, we, we we had to cover ourselves so many times just talking about this where it was it was what people looked at at the time. Yeah. And the thing is, is, you know, maybe now it's not that way. But once again, now almost everybody's considered bad men back then because either they had slaves, they massacred a bunch of people, or they did something else extremely immoral. And like I said, we saw with George Washington, with Ben Franklin, with everybody there was kind of a narrative that was built around this where people were like, we really need kids to have this kind of identity of our country, especially in its early years, so that they are proud patriots. And it's the risk of stripping things down. It's just you ultimately overly simplify and lose some veracity to what you're saying. Right. Uh, It's one of those things where you can't always be like, well, George Washington was our first founding father, but he also took the teeth of his slaves. But he also was very true with the cherry tree, but he also still owned slaves and probably killed a whole bunch of deserters, too. Uh, It's one of those things that can go for almost every historical figure along the route. And um, it's one of those things where right now they may have gotten away with a lot more than we know about. Uh, As we get closer to current time, we get better documentation and we get to really get a better view of people. But... And it and and it's also not as objective either. I mean, because like you said, we're very limited as the eyes that we can view history from. The the earlier you go, you're very limited as to what you can see. And once again, uh, history is written by the winners. Uh, yeah, I, it's I agree with you 100. percent And and you know, one of the things that I find the most interesting was what a lot of what Greg had to say about Columbus. I mean, I learned a ton about Columbus that I didn't know before. Like I knew that he came over here with those three boats and. You know, he did some shit, but like, I didn't. There's <laughs> <laughs> the way he said There's the way he said that. But no, just no, glazed like, over. He just did some shit. Well, no, I was, yeah, I was to your that. grand point. No, though. no, I was, I, what I was saying was like, I knew he came over and like, I knew he did stuff, but like, I didn't know that A, he landed in the Bahamas first. Like, I knew he eventually made his way over here and I knew this wasn't his first stop, but I didn't know it was like the actual Bahamas and that he was governor 
for so long. And I didn't know that he was yanked the fuck out of there by the King of Spain. Like that was, I, yeah, I didn't he, know he that. Was, he was considered too brutal by Spanish colonial standards. Which like, let's, let's take a second and consider that actually what that means. did speak volumes yeah, just I, now. Like, I was just like, going to say like that, that like, that's really impressive. Yeah. Like, you know, those, the, that's that takes a lot. You have to be a goddamn madman in order for that. To I mean, this is this is a, a colonial power that subjugated and killed millions over forty years. Right? Like it's just <laughs> that's pretty crazy. And they're just like, dude, you you need chill. And just letting you know, no European country is innocent. No, and neither is any North American country either. Hey, Maybe one day we'll get into the Trail of Tears, but until then, you know. Well, and I, like you know, I was the thing with Columbus with Greg and like. I didn't know that about Betsy Ross. Like, I just, I just, like I said, Morgan Freeman with the bonnet on, just sewing a flag. That's what I imagined. But I didn't know they weren't burning any witches over in Salem. I just have this image of these witches just tied up at the stake and then, you know, burn that motherfucker down. And they just light the bitch up and that's it. Like, that's how I always imagined it. Yeah. So it's just, it's really interesting to find that nobody was actually burned and they were all hanged. A lot of this probably comes from, um, it's called the crucible. I probably propagate. Well, yeah, that's. I mean, that's where I, I like. I see like, everyone had to read it. You know, yeah, yeah, mixed I, feelings about it across yeah, the board. But. but I mean, it's and it's easy to make that connection between yeah. the crucible and the Salem witch trials. What was it blurry face that like that's just like he's like for lack of a better term it's the sexy way of portraying killing witches like yeah, it's, burning them to stick like it's just such a vivid imagery well, and it, it's it's also, it makes it stick. <laughs> well, it's like like you said like people take art you know artists take liberties like with with the with the poem Paul Revere. You know, not everything that happened there was true, but it doesn't I mean it wasn't not true, but not everything was 100 percent factual. Yeah. Like things in the Salem witch trials were factual, but not like they like they weren't all burned at the stake kind of thing. Well, I mean, it's just like talking about the whole part of your thing. Once again, it's one of those fantasized stories where instead of the guy, you know, uh, beating Dale Earnhardt Jr. in a drag, like a uh, impromptu drag race on the street. Yeah. Uh, except he gets pulled over by the cops and gets his car impounded. And he has to walk back home afterwards. They made it pretty much like you know he was the hero. And honestly, that's one of those things where the other two guys, I don't get why they weren't brought into because they made it to the finish line. Yeah, they one actually day. did their job. One jobs. of the three. One of the three. Yeah, but they both still got... <laughs> but it wasn't they didn't get captured. But they didn't get captured. Yeah, but, but you were yeah the one here. who got captured is the one we remember. Well, you know, you, you take... <laughs> not, be, not even for being captured. Well, that like, that's the reason we do what we do is because we you pull 10 people on the street and you say, who was Paul Revere? And they're all going to say, well, A, if they know who the f*** he is, that's another thing. But if they know who he is, they're going to be like, oh, the British are coming, the British are coming, one if by land, two if by sea. And you're going to say, no, he didn't even get to, A, he didn't say that, and B, he didn't even get that far because he got arrested and they took his horse away from him. So he had to walk home like a dipshit. So I, I mean, actually, like, and even as I was refining the myth, I was going in thinking I thought the one if I land, two by sea wasn't true, but that actually was. That was, like, that was kind of a little fun little like, Reverse, reverse I, on me there. Right, exactly. I, like, I remember we were talking about. I was, I was like, I was like, I'm pretty sure no, your steeple thing on you. No, no, no. no, no. I, like, I know sure what it is. Steeple thing's BS, but it was true. No, it's because of national treasure. That's how they tricked. Oh uh, God! That's how they tricked them. That's how they tricked them. They said two if by land and one if by sea. That's how they got uh, Sean Bean to die. I'm not even. Wait, no, you. he didn't die in that. That was like one of the movies he didn't die. In. No, he does die. He goes to prison and he dies. Oh, okay. It was an after credit scene. Well, I guess everybody dies eventually. Well, <laughs> damn it, Ryan. 
Anyway, thanks for listening to Rumor Flies podcast. Uh, all right, guys. So to bring this all over before we don't, you know, just talk your ears off. Uh, you can find us on social media, rumorfliespodcast.com, facebook.com slash rumorflies. Twitter, we're at rumorflies. Instagram, we're at rumorflies. And we are at rumorfliespodcast at gmail.com. No, it's just rumorflies, rumorflies at gmail.com. I always f***ing do this. Greg, lock that Jesus. down. So recap, rumorflies at gmail.com. Rumorfliespodcast.com, Facebook.com slash rumorflies, Twitter at rumorflies, Instagram at rumorflies. So thanks again, everybody, for checking us out. We'll have a lot more coming your way. Stay tuned. Once again, I'm Josh. I'm Ryan. And I'm Greg. And you guys have a great evening. See you later, everybody. And one little addendum if you want to add it to the end. Uh, quick little thing for you. Cut it. Uh, God damn it. I'm the no, no, it's tied. No! It's around your foot. I was going to say before you cut it, I was going to say. If you want to add this at the end, um, if anyone's interested, uh, a few really interesting books to read if you're more interested in colonial American history is uh, Conrad Demarest's um, uh, where is it? Religion and Empire. It's from 1983. Really interesting book uh, that kind of cut open the door for, well, broke it down for the idea of tearing down just Western superiority. Then you obviously have Guns, Germs, and Steel. You know, that's a very famous diamond book. They had the whole documentary series about it and all kinds of things about it. But the book I highly, highly, highly recommend is Restall's The Seven Myths of Spanish Conquest. This breaks down the idea of, was it a bunch of white guys coming from Spain and doing all the work? Whereas this, the idea of technological superiority and cultural superiority, the idea of, you know, the entire culture and ethnicity being wiped out, basically it addresses so many of the real pitfalls of all previous works so effectively, and I highly, highly recommend it. And uh, like I was saying earlier, National Treasure is a, <laughs> it's a 2004 <laughs> film starring Nicolas Cage. And, uh, <laughs> this episode's closing song is Watching the Tide by New Orleans artist Josh LeBlanc. We used to build boats and pictures we ripped out of magazines Never sent a single one to sail At least we never saw them fail
the storms and swim back to shore as the waters slowly rose. But as we look to the wake we left behind, see our dreams sink to a place we'll never Watching the tide